1: Hey, it's C Sparky, 5 for 1250 a.m. The fan being joined uh, by our guy, Rohan Cotti of the Eurostep Step podcast. Nathan Marzian uh, in the Northern Woods somewhere for the weekend getting lost after his goofy Giannis Greece comments uh, in the last podcast about how he roots for Giannis in Greece when they would play the U.S., which I don't understand.
2: Either way, apparently I I the, he did a poll A poll
1: on it. I don't know where it ended up, but when I checked, it was damn near 50-50 of people that would root for Giannis in Greece over the U.S. hot. I, I don't know where you stand on it, but that, that just seems crazy to me.
2: It's, it's, I don't necessarily – I can't say if I agree, but I can, see where, I can see where he's coming from. I understand the viewpoint. That's all I'll say.
1: You can understand rooting for another country against the country that you live in because the a Milwaukee buck player is on that team. Like I mean I get it. I understand that okay, USA always wins. They're the super team. Greece is such an underdog would be an unbelievable story and and all of that. I just can't see like for me for instance, right? We watch US men's soccer, all of them. US women's soccer, all of them. So Tuesday morning is actually my girl's birthday. And we're going to be up at like 2 or 3 in the morning, I'm sure, to watch the U.S. women's next World Cup match. So anything U.S., men and women soccer, we watch everything. Friendlies, World Cup, whatever. So I'm really into this. Rami Makloff, who used to host the afternoon show, who was uh, in Sacramento, uh, who he just quit. Uh, so now he's moving back to Milwaukee. Um, he could care less about the Olympics, doesn't care about it, thinks it's a muddy grab, doesn't buy into it. Marzi,an I feel kind of like is that same way. He doesn't really care about the Olympics either. You are you an
2: Olympics guy, one way or the other? I'll watch it. I'll always watch it. It's it's exciting. It's it's a it's a showcase for like some of the best athletes in the world at the top of their positions, at top of the world. You want to you want to see these performances because it's a, it's a once in a four years thing for I guess, summer to summer, winter right. to winter, but once every two years, summer to winter. But it's just it's the opportunity to see the best at their craft. So, yeah, I'll, I'll always tune into the Olympics.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't I don't understand the logic behind those guys, but that's OK. They can be them. I want to promote the Eurostep podcast because you all just had A.J. Green on, not the receiver, but the, the basketball player uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Talk about uh, getting A.J. Green on and what that was all about. You and uh, our guy Ty Windish.
2: Yeah, it, it was it was a great opportunity. We really appreciate A.J. for taking the time. Uh, it was a great interview. We, we talked a lot about like him and his journey, obviously getting a, a full standard NBA contract after being on a two-way as rookie year last year, uh after being undrafted, just his uh his his come up, like what he, he is working on, his impressions of the new coaching staff, which he really likes so far. Uh what you can expect to be different both offensively and defensively for the Bucs this upcoming season. Bunch of fun questions. It was it was a great time. I'm glad we can get it uh organized but uh no i it, it was it was it was a great
1: time i have a question how much do you think he plays this year it's you and me he's not listening
2: i think i think he gets a solid shot i think he gets a solid shot especially considering that we have a new head coach in adrian griffin and that he is starting from no biases whatsoever like he's not used to like uh, for example under mike boonholzer it's like oh yeah aj green he's on a two-way contract he just came in Uh, I know these other guys like Wes Matthews, Joe Ingles, like I know what these guys can do. I've worked with them in the past, aside from Joe Ingles, but you know, like Grace Nall and Wes Matthews, like that, that wing shooting guard rotation with, with Adrian Griffin, everyone's starting at the same spot. Like they're, everyone's trying to build their own rapport. So I think he has a solid chance if he shows out of camp and he also got a chance to work with him in summer league. So if he has the opportunity and he provide and he shows himself to be, hey, I can fit into this rotation because we all know he can shoot the lights out. Like he 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 is a knockdown shooter, baby bird. So will like he obviously provides a skill. He talked with us about how he's improving on the defensive end, what he's doing to do that, what he's excited about for the defensive scheme. It's I I, I think there's a solid shot. He gets like a chance in the rotation. Let's talk about this.
1: You have Pat Connaughton. Not a big fan. High-energy guy. Fine. I get it. Playoff shooter because he doesn't shoot in the regular season. Fine. Uh, Grayson Allen. Never been a Grayson Allen guy. Uh, Malik Beasley. Just got him. Plays the same position as the other two. And now we're talking about A.J. Green being in this mix as well. I don't know how all four of those guys get run. Legitimate run in a rotation throughout the course of a year. That's... See, to me, that's where I'm struggling. Now, if they move Grayson Allen for something else. Okay, fine. Then I can kind of see how maybe he gets in. To me there's somebody's not going to be in this rotation of those four. And I promise you Malik Beasley's in the rotation. So outside of him, then it comes down to Connaughton Allen and Green and probably two of those three legitimately get some run.
2: I think I that's a that's a very valid point, but I do think it's it's important to note that with Pat, you don't necessarily have to play him at the 2, you can slide down to the 3. He's shown he can be a uh really, really well, That's true. play well at the power forward position. So I think he offers more versatility so you can sort of mix and match around that. And it, it honestly might come down to like, who's hot at the time. Like Malik Beasley might be, uh, he might be in a down uh, downward trend shooting wise. Then it's AJ Green's turn. And if AJ Green's like, you know what, he's not shooting the ball that well, you, you can always feed the hot hand because you have multiple options. And to the point of Malik Beasley, we just saw him out of the rotation in the playoffs last time he played. So there's, there's no guarantee that it's going to work out well. I'm obviously like a big fan of the uh, um, signing and especially on like a, a, value contract of a minimum contract. Yeah. You go and sign Malik Beasley 10 times out of 10 in that situation. And I do think he has the opportunity to play very, very well with the Bucks. I'm just saying it's not a guarantee.
1: Would not you have liked to been in the room to hear the new Bucks head coach and Griffith talk about why he wants Malik Beasley? Cause there's gotta be a reason. So why? Cause John Horse, I don't think, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think he just goes and makes a deal without talking to his brand new head coach as far as what his new head coach wants, right? He has talked nonstop about communicating with the head coach and getting the guys that the head coach wants to fit into their system and so forth. So I believe John Horse does it the right way. He's not just doing it like Ted Thompson, giving them guys figure it out. You know, I don't care what it, whether it works or not, they're football players, figure it out, coach. So he's not doing that. So there has to be something that when Adrian Everett looked at this roster and saw this team play the last couple of years, that he said, okay, we're missing this, and it comes at a position to where it's been the same dudes playing that position for a while now in Connaughton
2: and Grayson Allen. Yeah, I think it's just the opportunity to really like get a jolt, to get some energy in there, especially considering, like I mentioned, like Malik Beasley was out of the rotation with the Lakers in the postseason. But that's not to say that he's not a valuable player. It just It just didn't work for him in that certain situation at that given time it's he he's had a long career being able to show like, Hey, I can perform in these situations. I know what I need to be do. I can be trusted with the ball in my hands. I'm going to be able to make the right reads. And by the way, I'll knock down shots when I need to, mm-hmm. like there's a tremendous amount of value there. And you're just trying to get as much talent as you can. And Malik Beasley is talent.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, Rohan Cotty joining us. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, at had junior. You're a junior. Is there pressure for the next one to occur? Because, like, I'm the fourth, and we did not have a fifth because she did not want to go down that road. Um, So it's over for my family at four.
2: Is there pressure for you to go farther? No, no, there's no pressure whatsoever. None, none whatsoever.
1: I had some pressure from my dad. My dad was none too happy about it ending with me, but it is what it is. Let's move back to the Bucks. Uh, Mark Spears of ESPN uh, was on TV uh, earlier today, today being Thursday, to record this Thursday night. Uh, and a video came out. Uh, they were talking about the new ESPN power rankings. The Nuggets are one, the Bucks are two. Uh, Mark Spears not really understanding why the Bucks are two, considering they got knocked out early in the playoffs by the Miami Heat. And then he goes on to say his heart was broken by the fact that the Bucs got knocked out that early. So I saw a lot of people, oh, he's a hack. Oh, he sucks. Listen, man, he was saying he was heartbroken by the fact that the Bucks got knocked out. It's not like he hates the Bucks and was trying to throw shade at them. But I think it does bring up an interesting point. Like, should they be ranked that high? Should people be respecting the Bucs that much to have them as the second best team in the NBA, knowing they got bounced by the Miami Heat, who, as of right now, is... Not as good as they were maybe last year because we're waiting on the Lillard side and the Lillard trade to happen. Now, if the Lillard trade happens, then we can revisit as far as what they look like. But as of right now, they're not as good as they were when the season ended.
0: Uh, but where would you put the Bucks? Do you think it's out of line for Mark Spears to say, why are they too? eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
2: I don't think it's out of line for him to ask the question because obviously they had one, like a historically embarrassing playoff exit last year. Like if you're an eight C losing to a one C, no matter that, like, obviously context is really, really important. And that's what people are taking into consideration. Like, yeah, Giannis gets hurt game one, doesn't come back till game uh, four. And it's just, uh, it's, it, he's obviously playing hurt and limited. And you know, it's that, that's a big reason why the bucks lost. And of course, you have just insane, insane shooting from the Miami Heat. It was like I think Duncan Robinson shot like seventy plus percent from three or something. Yep. Like that. It's just uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling the feelings. Again. Not good. Uh, <laughs> um, but it, it's fair to pose the question because if you look at it at the end of the day, they were a one seed and they did lose in the first round to an eight seed. They the the Miami Heat were like three minutes away from not making the playoffs like the bulls almost were able to pull that off. And it's so it's fair to ask the question, do I necessarily agree with it? Maybe not. I I wouldn't say like it's 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 outrageous to say that the bucks are number 2 because we saw they have upgraded. The Milwaukee Bucks have upgraded. They have a new head coach. They brought in some more talent, and some more depth. It's they they have some more like they have a lot of the continuity like for example that the heat aren't going to have. They lost two starters from their playoff rotation. Right. Uh, the Celtics completely have reinvented their identity this offseason, trading away Marcus Smart, uh, letting Grant Williams—I uh, guess it was technically sign and trade with the Mavs—and trading for Kristaps Porzingis. They've completely reshaped who they are as a team, so they don't necessarily have that continuity. The Bucs do; their core guys stayed. Chris Middleton's back, Brooke Lopez is back. They still have Drew. They still have Chris, and they—I mean—and they still have Giannis, obviously. Who's like has a full offseason to recover, and he obviously had that uh, knee cleanup surgery. So it's like hopefully that alleviates some of the issues he's been having with in in regards to his knee troubles. It's it's like this is obviously a team that's going to be really really good. It's I don't think it's audacious or outrageous to say that the Bucks are the second best team in the
1: league. All right, let's it's, go back to something you said. So in the little write up that they put on ESPN. They kind of brought up what you brought up, which is team's pretty much intact. They're deeper, it appears, than they were last year. And they have a new coach. But time out. This dude's never been a head coach in his life. I mean, you're not getting Phil Jackson, who's got rings, who, okay, he's taking over for Bud. We know we got an upgrade. You could argue, you could make more of an argument of, well, Nick Nurse won a championship too, like Bud. But Nick Nurse does A, B, and C better than Bud. So, okay, this makes sense. And maybe you upgraded over Bud with Nick Nurse. In this situation, you've got an assistant coach who's never been the guy having to come into a veteran-laden team squad that's done it the same way for the last several years for the same coach and having to kind of teach an old dog new tricks to a certain degree and get them to buy into what you're doing. And then hopefully whatever it is you're doing that's going to be different than Bud takes and you do have a similar or better outcome uh, at the end of the day. We had Eric Namon a couple podcasts ago. Uh, from the athletic, and I brought up to him. I, I, I think the the ability to go backwards is much greater than the ability to make a significant improvement because of how good the Bucks have been. Like this is a a tough gig for a first time head coach to come in and live up to expectations, Rohan.
2: You're absolutely right. There, there, there is a chance for them to go backwards this season because, like you mentioned, Adrian Gifford's never been in the big boy chair. He he hasn't done this it's going to take some time for them to figure it out with the players, with the coaching staff, sort of like figuring out how to mesh together. Why I think it's an upgrade is that because of the continuity of the team, they have a baseline of how they should operate. And Adrian Griffin knows that he's obviously watched this team. Like he knows, like the Bucks won a title like two years ago, so there is a blueprint for how to win with these players. So what it, it's Adrian Griffin's job to sort of find find the new corners, find find new avenues for there to succeed. And if he can't necessarily find like and push every right button, there's still a blueprint for success right there. Like he knows what he needs to do schematically because they've been doing it in five years under uh, Mike Budenholzer, like that, that tape exists. The players know how to play that way. So if something goes wrong, they have something to fall back on. And while it's who knows if, if Adrian Griffin's going to be able to recreate that if he needs to uh, with the Bucks, but we know that that scheme is there. We know that the players know how to play that scheme. What Adrian Griffin is here to do is sort of find new ways to sort of uh, maximize the talent. It's, it's sort of like they have a high floor and they, they also have like maybe not as high a ceiling, but it's also because the floor is so high that you don't need to necessarily go full max because you have that to fall back on. You know what works. So maybe that's why I'm, I'm tempted to say that there's not as big of a chance for them to go backwards, but I do think you're right. There obviously is a chance for them to go backwards. What's fair expectation-wise? for this
1: roster and this team and this coach with a brand-new coaching staff in year one with this coach, with everybody essentially playing with a two-year window at this point, uh, as far as all of your key contributors, Giannis, Drew, Middleton, Lopez, we're talking two years here, kind of like what the Brewers are in right now with Woodruff and Burns to a certain degree. Uh, two-year window with a brand-new head coach. If this was Bud, it still would be championship or bus. That's where we're at. Win it or it's it wasn't worth it, it you failed it, it didn't work is that going to be the expectation for a guy in his
2: first year as head coach championship or bust uh, or is it going to be something less than that raw I think it's championship or bust I think because Mike Boonehoser got fired that further reinforced that hey it is championship or bust and so Adrian Griffin's going to come in here with the expectations like hey this team needs to compete for a title now they need to compete now and it's uh, it's it's actually funny. As you were saying that, I remembered the last time the Bucks had a head coaching change was they were two games away from the finals after not winning a playoff series for 20 years or whatever it was at that point. So we know that these this group of guys, maybe not true, but like Brooke, Chris, Giannis, they know how to they know how to perform under a new head coach as well. Well, remember the crazy guy is gone. That is true.
1: <laughs> Our Glazer is is no longer a part of it. But you replaced him with Jimmy Haslam, which still makes my my skin crawl. Uh that he's here. I, I don't I don't know if you and, and Ty get into this, but I have a nightmare scenario, a, a big time nightmare scenario that I think is very possible, and, and I can absolutely see it playing out. I don't think I'm on a line to think it's gonna happen. That if and when they end up losing Giannis, whether it be to retirement in a bunch of years. Or whether it be to him leaving as a free agent or whatever it is. But when his time is done, I've got this sinking feeling that these these New York dudes are going to be like, hey, it was fun. Jimmy, it's yours. We're out of here. See you later. I'm telling you, I think that is a legitimate thing that could happen. And I am very, very concerned. Because Lazarus storm clouds are coming and all this other nonsense that he said. Yeah, he's to a degree. He's probably right. He doesn't want to be here when Giannis is gone. You can't fill the brand new arena, the Deer District. It doesn't have nearly as many people in it because people aren't going to Bucks games nearly as much. And the full rebuild is on. Man, these guys are hedge fund guys. They they, they 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 sell short, right? They get out before all hell bracelets. That's the deal. So to me, that's that's my concern. Is Edens and and. Vesitelli and those other dudes aren't, aren't here necessarily long-term. They're here with Giannis. This is great. And when it gets to that point where they're like, uh-oh, now what are we going to do? The chances of getting another superstar in Milwaukee is probably going to be very, very difficult, regardless of how well Giannis did in Milwaukee. I just question whether or not those dudes are still going to be here uh, when it's all over.
2: That's a, that's a very valid question. And uh, I, it's not something I've really thought about a ton, but it, it, it does make sense because it's like this, this is going currently, this is the max value that the Bucks yep. are going to, have. I mean, maybe not because obviously in the next like couple of years, we have new TV deals coming in and there's just going to be tons and tons of money pouring in. So maybe not necessarily, but in terms of like franchise acclaim, it's now because you have possibly the greatest player to ever play for your franchise in his prime. For your franchise, so this is it's it 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 is a little concerning in the sense that hey maybe maybe Edens and they maybe they maybe they jump ship in uh, whenever whenever Giannis is done playing for the Bucks hopefully which is in like fifteen years or something right correct uh, yes uh, <laughs> it's it's and you know what I fully believe in my heart that it's going to be at least another decade uh, maybe maybe I'm dumb but that's what I believe. Uh, it's it it's inevitable that someone is going to jump ship because that's just what happens. That's what happens with every sport. It's just it it happens all the time. Like you see, all of these teams like being sold in the NBA, in the NFL, and uh, any major sport. Like there's there's always going to be ownership changes. What matters is is there going to be a good enough transition period? Because the last time the Bucks were for sale. There was a solid transition period. Herb Cole, Herb Cole did what he needed to do to keep the team in Milwaukee. They got a new arena built, and now, obviously, we're in this era of success. And a lot of that, is, most of that is due to Giannis, but there's also been, like, just this, this brand explosion of the Milwaukee Bucks, and it's you, you have to give credit where credit is due. And plus, like, currently, the owners are spending what they need to spend. They're going to be over the second apron this season. They're, they're doing whatever they can. Uh but when this team starts to dwindle because it's inevitably going to happen, this team is not going to be a contender forever as much as we want to believe that there will be doldrums for this franchise again, again, hopefully in like a decade or so. Uh, there's going to be like some guys who are wanting to jump ship, whether, whether that might, hey, that might end up be Jimmy Haslam. Like he might be the one that wants to sell. Maybe he just wants to cash in now. That's why he came in now when like right before the new TV money comes in so he can maximize his sale. And then, hey, maybe he's the guy that jumps. Like that—that's also a full possibility. Well, he's not
1: going to be any younger, so we have that going for us. <laughs> that's true. We've got that going for us, Rohan. You know, the other thing too is talking about this Bucks ownership, and I don't—I don't hear it enough. And maybe it's because people don't like Alex Lazzari, Um, and maybe some people don't like Mark Lazary because of political affiliation or whatever the case may be literally a couple days ago, we were driving on the interstate past downtown Milwaukee. And you look at all the stuff that's going up and you think about all the stuff that's gone up since a majority of that development never even gets off the ground prior to that deer district happening prior to them, buying up a bunch of buildings downtown and taking over buildings and bringing in energy with a, a, a different mindset and Peter Fagan and those guys meeting with city leaders and be like, come on, let's go. We can do some different stuff here. I, regardless of what happens, even if Haslam ends up with it and they they get out, their impact on downtown Milwaukee has been more than I think I ever could have imagined from one owner of one sports team, but on the Brewers forever. Never had an impact like this with the city of Milwaukee, as far as I know. Uh, Cole, same thing. Owned it forever. I don't think he ever really had an impact like this. These dudes have kind of changed downtown Milwaukee to a certain degree since their vision of what this whole thing was going to look like. And it's not even done I mean, that that new music venue or two new music venues that are going in, aren't even built yet and aren't even operating, whatever else, like the the grand scope of everything is still not even complete. They're still building and expanding what that whole area is going to look like.
2: Yeah. It's that's a, that's an amazing point. Like it's Milwaukee has had like an unprecedented rise. That's mirrored the Milwaukee bucks. And a lot of that, is because of like yeah this this new like investment into the downtown a lot of it is because of the bucks it all started with the new arena so it's you're you're absolutely right there has been a massive impact on the city of milwaukee like i live here it's 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 hard not to notice how 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 much it's been growing and how it continues to grow especially with all like a a lot of plans being discussed for like what you want to do with like 794 and like a lot of these like highway developments it's 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 hard not to see how much the city has grown and they've grown with the bucks. So yeah, that's like, again, another part where credit, where credit is due. Like, yeah, they've had a tremendous impact on the city of Milwaukee. Now, again, like, again, like a lot of this is because of Giannis, Giannis making the team really good, but you need to have the people behind him to actually like put in the money and invest when you need to. It'd be dumb of them not to invest when you have a team like this, but you have to give credit when they do.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think, that is absolutely huge for everybody involved. So even if they win one championship with Giannis and even if they never get back to another NBA finals and everybody's going to be critical that they didn't get back and so forth, I still think uh, at the end of the day, this was more than worth it, how this whole thing turned out. And I think you could look to green Bay and the job that, that they've done since Mark Murphy has gotten there. And we could talk about sliding down a hill and the meme and all that other stuff that goes along with it. Um, but business side, Mark Murphy Brilliant. All the redevelopment and everything they've done around that stadium. And Murphy and Fagan talked when Fagan was getting into this whole thing. I think he talked to Bob Harlan, too, as far as what he wanted to do in Milwaukee, kind of similar to what Green Bay did. And the Brewers missed the mark. They're the only ones that are stuck in the valley with no hope of really building around there unless they take some major steps kind of going forward. And I don't know if that will ever happen or not, but that that's the unfortunate thing where you, if you go down to Chicago, if you've been down to Wrigley Field to see a Cubs game, and that whole Wrigleyville area that they've built up around there, kind of like Fenway Park in Boston, I mean, that's just phenomenal when you have stuff to do before and after the game within walking
2: distance of the stadium. That's a big deal. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. It's just like... It, I, I went down to Wrigley for the first time. It was actually the Brewers' second game of the season. I got to see in Wrigley, nice. And you, you just you just go and uh, see Wrigleyville, and it's just like, wow, this is what a baseball stadium can be like. Like, uh, I was I was in Denver last summer, and you see what the Rocky Stadium like in the middle of downtown, and it's just like, you you see all of the, all of this stuff, and it's like, man, this this is what's possible. Like you can yes. do this, and then you then you come back to Milwaukee, and you see Amfam just in a concrete jungle. And it's, it's just parking lot after parking lot. You have to transport to the game is your biggest headache before the game. Uh, thankfully, the the city of Milwaukee has a lot of bar shuttles that you can use. Yep. Uh, but then you just have to park. You have to tailgate. And it's just like it's it's not walkable. You can't do a ton of stuff beforehand. But, yeah, the Brewers absolutely miss the boat. And it's one of the most unfortunate things because there, there's plenty of area for them to develop there. They just haven't. Yeah, oh, no exactly. doubt.
1: And I've always wanted to go from American Family Field to Pato and make that the entertainment district. And uh, That was before Pfizer Forum came in their third, uh, their uh, deer district. But that was my goal. And I think it was Andrew Wagner uh, told me that it's impossible. The amount of money you would take to take all that up and then all the stuff they would have to do with the soil and everything else. Uh, That goes a lot. Whether he's like, dude, there's there's no chance that's ever going to happen. You're like, you're just, it's a pipe dream. Trust me. There's no way financially they can do that. And that was pretty much uh, the extent of my dream. I want to get this out. News item on the Bucks: The Bucks are going to host kids day at the Wisconsin state fair on Tuesday, August 8th from 10 AM to 4 PM at central park on the fairgrounds. Bucks fans age six to 11 can claim a complimentary youth ticket by signing up for bangles kids club presented by BMO before Tuesday, August 1st. Tickets must be claimed by August 1st and are only valid on August 8th during scheduled Kids Day activities. Are you a big State Fair guy and a big Bucks Milkhouse guy?
2: I've never actually been to the Bucks Milkhouse. What? I've never been there. What do you mean? Have you gone to State Fair? I haven't gone in 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 a while. I just have them. That was Herb Cole's baby that he put in years ago. It's it's right know, by the grandstands. As you go under the grandstand, that's right there on the corner. I I plan to rectify that this year. Oh,
1: that's horrific. What?
2: I know, you see, so you've I never know. had the root beer milk, none
1: of that no, stuff. Oh, never. Oh, oh, I know.
2: I, I I know. I've been missing out. People always told me I'm missing out, and I I will change that this year at the state fair.
1: Well, I mean, I I don't know if they really did it last year, but. In previous years, prior to COVID, they would always bring the draft picks down. Jabari Parker, all those guys would come down, sign autographs at the, at the Milk House, the whole deal. And then they'd trot them down to our radio station, 10, and we'd interview them on the big show or whatever the case may be. So you're not a state fair guy. Are you a Summerfest
2: guy? I'll go to Summerfest. Like, I'll, I'll always go. I'll usually go at least one day.
1: Are you not a festival guy is what I'm gathering.
2: I'm not a big festival guy. Really? Yeah. It's just it gets too crowded. It gets too warm. Everything's overpriced. Like it's a fun time, but in 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 short spurts. Short spurts. Okay, Rohan. So what does Rohan Kadi do for entertainment? I gotta know. If it's it's not like I'll obviously go to festivals, but I usually try to keep things a bit quiet. Like it's if I'm going out with people, I like to keep it just a, a few a few people just going to a bunch of different places. It's. It's 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 more laid back. It's it's not as loud. Oh,
1: I like loud, as you probably. <laughs> and that's well that's heard. your
2: problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, <know. laughs>
1: I don't. I'm not a summer fest guy. Like doing the radio shows out there for all the years. Like I'm I'm done with all that. I I can't do it. I'm not gonna do it. Um, the state fair though. I love state fair. Like all about it because I don't eat healthy anyhow. So for me. It's great. I can eat as unhealthy as I want, and the uh, the the expo center that's all air conditioned, like a big seven mile fair type deal. Walking through, love going through and seeing all that stuff, and oh yeah, going on the big yellow slide with the kid or whatever. Yeah, man, it's yeah, but that's not your deal. So okay, so if Rohan Cotty goes out, where can one see a Rohan Cotty, uh to get your autograph if you're out in a bar? What what's the home bar? Do you have a home bar that you like going to?
2: Uh, usually usually I, I one of the little ones I really like I usually like go to the, go into the garage on Brady. I've been.
1: I have. Yeah. Yes, I've been there before. My girl took me there. She uh introduced me to that place. Yeah, that's a pretty good place. I like that place.
2: Yeah, it's a good place. Another place uh, sort of by by Five is on Tap, sort of by the yep. old Paps building, Central Waters. That's a good spot just for just for a solid beer. All like, right. It's I'm not going to go any I'm not you're not going to catch me at like Harper Trinity or anything. <laughs> Like, Any trending, no, no.
1: trending, fun, crazy college age,
2: no crowd.
1: Yeah. You are not. You're not. You're not going to catch.
2: You're not going to catch me there. Maybe. Maybe I'll go to camp. Okay. Yeah. What about? Okay. Uh, what's that one on the corner? Oh. Was it Uncle Bucks or something like that? Yeah, Uncle Bucks. I'll go to Uncle Bucks. I'll go to Who's on Third. All right. Yeah.
1: I'm just. I'm intrigued. See Bob, For me, I'm not a big downtown guy because I like parking lots. I don't want to have to parallel park. I don't want to have to watch a parking meter. I don't want to have to park way far away and walk a long distance to go to my bar. That's the nice thing about living in the suburbs. All these places have parking lots. You just park in the parking lot you walk in, you're done. You come out, you get in the car uh, and you're on your way real quick. Before we wrap this thing up, uh, I wanted to talk about this, this brewer's trade. Cause I've never talked brewers with Rohan before. Uh, brewers get Carlos Santana from the Pittsburgh pirates for Johnny Severino, 18 uh, year old prospect from Venezuela. Uh, who I think was their number one international signing two years ago, played at 17 for the Brewers, now up to rookie ball at 18. Still a long ways to go, obviously, before he gets to the big leagues. Uh, Santana's last good year was 2019. He's old. He's like 37, 36, 37 years old. First baseman, pretty decent defensively still. Uh, Numbers aren't all that great, but he's got 12 home runs on the year. 20, 25, double, something like that. Uh, Rohan, your thoughts?
2: I think it's a good trade. I think it's a good trade. You get you obviously if you're the Brewers, you needed an upgrade at first base because generating offense from first base for the Milwaukee Brewers this season has been a struggle. Brutal. I think what uh, I think it was uh, uh, Todd Rosiak had, uh, mentioned that they they've generated from the first base position. they have generated the 212, 272, seventy two three forty slash line, which is just it's just abysmal. So if you can get at least at at his worst, like a league average bat. In Carlos Santana, who has, like you mentioned, he's, he's had good years in the past where he's gotten up there. He has the potential for more power. Yeah, you, you want to go get that trade, especially if, you, if you're giving up a, a prospect who's essentially a lottery ticket, who is just like, he's just so raw who knows if he's like, in my mind, he's kind of like Thon maker. Cause it's like, yeah, if that guy hits, he, oh, he's going to hit, but it's like, that hurts.
1: <laughs> I just, I just triggered something. <laughs> Damn man. Thon maker. I really thought he was going to be something. I, I still, Jennings I, I still be believe it too. I was wrong there too. I
2: still believe in Thon wherever he is. I still believe in him. Uh, but you're giving up that kind of prospect where it's like, it could work really well, but it could also not work at all. So it's like, if you want to go get that and address a position of need, I think it's a home run.
1: And Tyler Black, who's been playing third at double A, is now playing first tonight. So that's interesting why now they're moving him to first. Uh, And I don't know whether really that says a rowdy tell us either kind of going forward. I I just am wondering now if Santana, the idea is Santana in September is going to be the DH. And if Black is going to find his way up here, because Black has had a really nice year at double A. It's a jump double A to the big leagues, obviously. Uh, but they've already got a bunch of other prospects up here at this point, and I say if you're bringing him up there. I want to see Damn Churio in September. Damn it! I mean, I get, if Black makes that jump, then I want Jackson Churio here as well. I want a, it all, yeah. Rohan. Don't tease me like this without
2: getting me Jackson Churio. I mean, why not? Why yes. not at this point? Like, what's the what is truly the harm besides roster space? Like, like Jesse Winker's on the team. Like, come How? on, you have. Exactly, like you have roster flexibility. <laughs> like, I mean, that it's a massive jump, but like you mentioned, if Tyler Black's gonna be able to do it, like, why not Jackson? Cheerio? All I see on my timeline is Jake Reed's a, a friend of the bar pod. It's just like it's him tweeting Jackson Churio bomb after bomb yep. after bomb, and it's like, okay, cool, the Brewers could really use that. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be too greedy because obviously we just saw south really get called up and it's it's been it's been magical so we just want it all and maybe it's not going to all work out like that but it might who knows you'll never know unless you try
1: i uh i I really haven't had a favorite brewer but i'm in on Sal. short guys unite like i i I want a small dude to play well for this team i may have to get myself a
2: immaculate huh the aura is immaculate yes yes I, i i i don't know We'll, we'll see how
1: this whole thing plays out, but I, I'm excited to see if they do anything else. I think they need at least one more bat here before Tuesday for the deadline. I don't think just Santana fixes this whole deal. Like, I'd love to see him get Candelaria from the Nationals. Good defensive third baseman. He's in like 250, 260, which must be Mickey Mantle in this lineup hitting that much. Uh, so that would that would be nice if they could add another bat. I don't know. I, I've seen some of these National guys talk about, oh, they could use pitching. Can they really? I, mean, I, I think they're pretty good at this point. Peralta's pitched really well uh, as of late. I know he's been inconsistent throughout a majority of the year. If Miley comes back and does what he's done a majority of this year, they starting pitching wise, you're pretty okay. And the they're bullpen, Ashby's, Ashby's gonna come back in yeah. the bullpen, so that'll be another big thing. You've pretty much been solid seven, eighth, and ninth to this point without Ashby. I feel pretty good about pitching Rohan.
2: And and I'll tell you what, Peter Streslecki has been he's been he's been playing well recently.
1: Yep. And that's another so one. So it's
2: like yeah, so you have options. So I'd be more concerned about the bats. I think I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. I'd be more concerned about the bats rather than the pitching. But it's I mean you'll take upgrades where you can get them. But it's it's the offense that like really 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 needs an upgrade, which is just the story of the Milwaukee Brewers year in and year out.
1: Pretty much. And before that, when they had Braun and Fielder and Harden weeks, it was we have no pitching. So overpay Jeff Supon, and then we have Supon pitch great after he got shelled. I'm Ned Yost. That'll live in infamy forever. Rohan, thank you so oh, much man. for coming on. I love talking to you. I love seeing you. Follow him on Twitter at Junior. And again, the Eurostep podcast. Download it. Go listen to that A.J. Green interview. You will love it. You'll learn a lot about A.J. Green. You'll learn something about the new Bucks coaching staff. Uh, and always a fun listen. anytime him and Ty Windish are together doing anything. They literally could talk about painting a house. I'd listen at this point. Rohan, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me. It's always a fun time being on here. I love it. It's just, it's a great conversations and thank you for the promo. You betcha. You betcha.